Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the June 21st, 2023, 178th edition. Always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Scientists log the state's second largest hailstone here in Mansfield. Chamber releases statement amidst membership controversy. Community read-in event set for Tuesday. Legacy High School journalism team earns national honors. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve concludes his in-studio talk with walkable city author Jeff Speck. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, this is Mansfield Chamber of Commerce CEO Lori Williams, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. 
This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. The evening of June 12th started off just like any other ordinary Monday until a supercell thunderstorm formed just south of town around 10.15 p.m., immediately setting off a severe thunderstorm warning. Minutes later, that cell descended upon Mansfield, producing hailstones larger than a baseball. Elon Warner picked up the largest stone he could find, placed it in the freezer, and found out the next day he was in possession of something really special. With us on the phone is the recipient of that hailstone. Elon Warner, welcome to About Mansfield. Steve, thank you very much for having me on. This is um, it's kind of a crazy thing to um, to be a part of. It was a, it was a wild 48 hours after that uh, hailstone fell out of the sky and ricocheted off my gutter. This happened last Monday, Monday of last week, and uh, about what time did the storm blow through? Yeah, so this was like right around, I think, 10.30, and the next thing you know, we just started hearing hail, and then all of a sudden, it was like someone was pounding on our roof. Of course, you get up and you start looking around, and I looked out onto my back, I have a little side patio, and I could tell there was a huge hailstone in one of our patio chairs, but it was still hailing. I had to resist the urge to go outside into a driving hailstorm to pick up a piece of hail. My wife advised that that was not the best thing to do. So I waited until it kind of stopped, which was about 10 or 15 minutes, and then went out, picked it up. It was about the size of my hand. And then thinking that you were onto something because you've never seen something of this size, you took this stone to the internet. I did tweet out a picture of the stone with a ruler and it was about five and a half in that, you know, five and a half inches long from its tallest point to point. So it was a huge stone and it was just luckily it only smashed our gutter. So I don't think we have much roof damage. Um, I tweeted the picture out to uh, Pete Delkus. As soon as I tweeted it out, then CBS tweets back at me, hey, can we have permission to use the photo? Hey, Channel 4 did the same thing. And I kind of just thought that was going to be the end of it. But that wasn't the end because that very next day, Tuesday morning, a team shows up in an unmarked van looking like a scene from Ghostbusters from the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Bunch of scientists get out with a bunch of equipment, set up shop in your garage. Tell us what happened. They had a, a 3D scanner that they set up in my garage And then it was a true race against time because it was about 87% humidity that day. So they are spinning it 360 degrees. They have a handheld scanner. They're having to blow um, condensed air on it because the 3D scanner won't work if the piece is super glossy. So as it melts, it gets shiny. So they're kind of spraying it and scanning it. And it was about an hour-long process. They were just constantly scanning all the sides, the top, the bottom, kind of rotating it. And they were taking the scan images, but then there was another person there taking photographs and taking video of it to just record it for their study. And now joining us from the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety is the uh, lead research meteorologist, Dr. Ian Giamanco. First of all, welcome to About Mansfield. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Your research team was here uh, at the home of Elon Werner and bringing out a a set of uh, scientific equipment. What was your research team looking for in the garage of Mr. Werner? 
Yeah, so so he one was a, another savvy homeowner that saved one of these giant and and we believe are pretty rare hailstones that um, that that fall from thunderstorms each year. And our job was to actually go and three D laser scan that hailstone. And what that does is it creates a very high resolution digital model. Now we all know if you put that hailstone in your freezer a year from now, it's going to sublime away just like snowballs. So we want to actually preserve those unique shapes of these really giant hailstones, so we can. We can, one, understand their aerodynamics. We can actually make molds out of them. We can 3D print them um, and do all sorts of things to, to look at how weather radar may detect these hailstones, how fast they fall, or what are their aerodynamic properties. And, and ultimately, the, the idea is to try to understand as much as we can about it so we can ultimately start to make better building materials and our stuff that can actually take hail better. Because right now, uh, not a lot of our, our materials can withstand uh, hail impacts, especially of that size. Right. And and here in Texas, a typical 30-year shingle only lasts about 10 years thanks to hailstorms. Yeah, that's about right, Stephen. Sometimes it's even less. And and you, I mean, we all know you see people putting pool noodles on their car, how annoying hailstorms <laughs> can actually be. We've gotten so frustrated with them. Uh, and, and I need to give a shout out. My sister tells me about it all the time. She lives right up the road in Arlington. Mm. So um, she has that same kind of, I'm just tired of this. It's my understanding that the, Mr. Warner's hailstone was the second largest in the state of Texas. I think it was about five and a half, maybe five and three quarter inches in diameter. How rare is that? So we think it's it's fairly rare. Um, the Texas record is, is 6.41 inches. That was found at Hondo near San Antonio a few years ago. We actually laser scanned that document of that stone. This one came in obviously under it. But these hailstones, that, especially once you get past four inches, become exceedingly rare. Um, at least to find anyway. The storms may produce them, but the fact that somebody happened to be in the right place at the right time to, to see one, collect one, and the fact that it survived, um, you know, that kind of hailstone when it hits, you know, concrete or your house, um, if it hits your house, it's probably going through your roof deck. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, the, the fact that it, it survived, that that's a challenge amongst itself. But once we get above four inches, we really believe that these kinds of stones are quite rare which is why we, we make an effort to try to document as many as we can. And to give our listeners a, a visual, a four-inch hailstone is about the size of... Yeah, so a four-inch hailstone is going to be bigger than a baseball, except these things get more less spherical as they get bigger. <laughs> yeah. As an example, the biggest hailstone that ever fell in the U.S. was about eight inches. That's almost the diameter of a volleyball. So that's pretty big. <laughs> Um, this hailstone, if you put a baseball, it would definitely fit inside this particular hailstone. Um, but when you take out the shapes and the volume, you get kind of close, but the shapes become ever so uh, less spherical as they get bigger. But that's just a couple of examples of what these giant hailstones look like. And, and if you take a stone like that, it's probably falling at about 80 to 85 miles per hour when it, when it reaches the ground. But the end result of what you're looking for at the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety really is how to how to protect uh, not only the business and home, but also the, the people inside it. Yeah, that's right. Like th these hail events, you know, sometimes I know we want to take, you know, we take severe thunderstorm warnings with a grain of salt. and Like, ah, we have them all the time. <laughs> but a lot of times they are, especially in the Metroplex, they're for hail. And if you're caught outside... I, there was a video of somebody in Arkansas in a kayak getting caught in a hailstorm. I and mean, that's not, that's life threatening, to be honest. You know, once you get two, three inch hailstorms coming down at 70, 80 miles an hour, 
We know what that does in a sports environment. Just think about a baseball fastball, you know, 80 miles an hour, good high school fastball, 90 miles an hour, college professional that hits you in the head with no protection. That's, that's a life safety issue. And then from the building side, we hail itself. Most people don't realize this. It's responsible for about 60 to 80% of the damage that comes from severe thunderstorms every single year. So it's a, better than $10 billion problem. And it's just because we have materials that are not designed to withstand that every single year. Um, this year's on pace to be a 20, maybe $30 billion year. Uh, if you start, I mean, the widespread nature of storms this last two weeks from the Great Plains all the way to the Southeast US and hail was the big, one of the big drivers of that. So um, this is going to be a really expensive year. And our goal is just simply to, to guide better tests, better materials to withstand this kind of stuff. Anything else you want to add before uh, before we say goodbye? Well, I would say for, for those of you who have dealt with these hailstorms and might find yourself in the market for a new roof, we have a whole set of asphalt shingle ratings for hail. Just go search IBHS shingle ratings if, if you want a better performing product. We've got all that information for you at IBHS.org. Um, great set of info if you decide you want to go to something different for your roof. So please check it out. Dr. Ian Gianmako, uh, lead research uh, meteorologist uh, with IBHS. Uh, you can find it again, IBHS.org, the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Members come and members go when it comes to the Mansfield Area Chamber of Commerce, but no member in recent history has created quite the buzz on social media when the Chamber on Monday announced a partnership with grapevine-based Patriot Mobile. Founded about a decade ago, Patriot Mobile markets itself as America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, which includes a pledge to donate a portions of users' monthly bills to conservative causes, including funding the campaigns of four current Mansfield ISD school board trustees. Mansfield Chamber President and CEO Lori Williams released a statement on Tuesday saying, quote, the Mansfield Area Chamber of Commerce welcomes partnerships with any legal business of all sizes and from all sectors focusing solely on business-related aspects without considering factors like political affiliation, race, gender, or religion. Our goal is to foster a thriving business community, and we seek partners, not just members, who align with our pillars of advocacy, connection, and education, unquote. In a follow-up question, Williams responded that the Mansfield Area Chamber of Commerce does not maintain geographical boundaries. Members of the community are gathering prior to the next school board meeting on Tuesday, June 27th, for what they are calling a community read-in. Organizer Ben Mason talked with Steve about the event. Ben Mason, first of all, welcome to About Mansfield. Hi, thank you. Tell me about this community read-in. How did it start? Who came up with the idea? And uh, give the listeners uh, more information about this read-in. Uh, I, I guess it's my idea. You know, there's been a lot of discussion going on in the community about the school board's uh, policy updates, discussion around uh, libraries, books, librarians, uh, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've participated in those discussions as well. And I just, I wanted to have a chance to sort of reset and um, and just get us back to the things that we find that, that we that we all think are important about this that 
you know, books are uh, and reading is something that's very important to me and my family. We read to all of our kids every night. We have books in every single room of our house. And, uh, you know, my wife is a dyslexia teacher at another school district. And so, it, you know, we're, we're all just, we're very passionate about reading. And I can tell that the community thinks so too. And so I just wanted to have an opportunity for people in the community to come and share that, share with each other, share their passion for, for books and for reading. Now, this is kind of a throwback to the protests of the 60s with sit-ins. This is not really a protest, though, is it? I don't think so. No, it's a, it's a, I mean, you, you could call it a sit-in. It's just a, a show up and, and express your, your passion, your values. And so I plan on coming out with a, a book and, a, uh, you know, a chair and, and maybe finding a, a bit of shade and uh, just being public about that I like to read. And that's, that's a value for me. This community read-in, anybody and everybody is invited to attend, just bring a chair and a book. And does it have to be a specific book? Because I know there are some books that are being considered on the chopping block by the school board. Uh, what what should they bring? Bring whatever whatever you're interested in reading, or whatever you want to share, or what 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 you want to talk to people about. It's a it's an open event. Tuesday, June twenty seventh, six to seven p.m. Right uh, in front of the Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, right in front of the uh, 7 p.m. school board meeting. So, uh, Ben Mason, is there anything else you want to add to uh, to the read-in? No, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing some members of our community and having a, a great event to, to get together. Perfect. We'll see you there and appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thank you so much. The Legacy High School Journalism Program earned national recognition this spring for its journalistic efforts. Student editors and teachers were honored at the Journalism Education Association and National Scholarship Press Association Spring National High School Journalism Convention held in San Francisco. The Writer Online is the program's online news hub, and that won the prestigious Pacemaker Award, the highest honor of achievement for high school journalism programs since 1927. The Writer Online has been in production for the past 15 years and has been considered for the Pacemaker Award nearly every year. In addition, the Writer Online and the campus yearbook, The Arena, won Best in Show. The National Scholastic Press Association inducted both The Arena and The Writer Online student publications into its Hall of Fame in 2018. The publications earned 10 of NSPA's All-American ratings within the last 11 years. If you have a comment about the show, the news, whatever's on your mind, the good, the bad, the ugly, doesn't matter what's on your mind, you can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, 817-435-2938. Friday, June 23rd is National Take Your Dog to Work Day, which honors our most beloved pets. National Take Your Dog to Work Day began back in 1999, and some 300 businesses hosted the event back then. Founded by Pet Sitters International, today that number has grown exponentially. So if you plan to take your dog to work, number one, get your employer's approval. Then, puppy-proof the office by putting away things that dogs may chew or eat. Get the all clear from your workmates. Did you know that 9% of the population suffers from a fear of dogs and, you know, not to mention allergies? Pack doggy bags with treats and small toys. Take a break. Instead of taking a coffee break, take your pooch out for a little fresh air and, uh, you know, that little patch of grass. That's this Friday, National Take Your Dog to Work Day. Let's head on over to the weather desk and raise the wolf.
With the forecast for the upcoming week, here's Colleen. Sadly, my dog Sandy won't be joining me for Take Your Dog to Work Day this year. She crossed over the Rainbow Bridge last month at about 13 and a half years of age. Sandy was actually more of a co-worker than just a dog over the last few years, as I've been able to do my day job remotely much of the time since March of 2020. I will bark at people on Friday in her honor. In other less than happy news, summer is starting off smoking hot. We've got minimal chances of rain midweek, but other than that, it will be sunny and steamy. We're looking for a high of 98 degrees Wednesday, 95 degrees Thursday, 99 degrees Saturday, 100 degrees Sunday, and 98 degrees on Tuesday. The Tarrant Regional Water District suggests that many Mansfield lawns need up to a half inch of irrigation this week. Be sure to follow the cycle and soak method to reduce waste from runoff. Use the setting recommendations for fixed spray head and rotor sprinkler zones by watering for a short time, rest for an hour, and then water a bit more. This allows more water to soak into the ground. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Standing, bending, or twisting. It can put a strain on your back. We'll offer some tips and Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Beth Steinke, and today we're going to provide some important cautions to renters on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that will have you dreaming of hula girls. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. This portion of the news was brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. Congratulations to Mike Bowman, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Name the 11 zip codes that border Mansfield. In the interest of time, we're not going to name all 11, but we have a list on our website under the links tab. Mike has won a $25 gift card to the restaurant of his choice. When we come back, this week's trivia question. This is about Mansfield. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. 
we're here for you. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now, this very second, for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped maintain area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at Joe Jenkins Insurance. And by the way, thank you you, Joe, for sponsoring the Mansfield Trivia Question for one full year. We sure appreciate your support. And as I do every week, I mention that not every winner submits their answer on Wednesdays. If you're listening on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever, give it a shot. You may be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, Big League Dreams here in Mansfield celebrated its 15th birthday this spring. The California-based company has 11 locations throughout the United States on which baseball or softball players can play ball on fields that replicate present-day or former Major League Baseball fields. Mansfield's location has eight replica fields. This week's question is, name three of the eight replica ballparks at Our Big League Dreams. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, name three of the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams in Mansfield. Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, this is Mansfield Chamber of Commerce CEO Lori Williams, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here with tips on staying healthy in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? There are several ways to prevent back pain and keep our backs strong. Dr. Richard Mayraw, an independent practicing neurosurgeon on the medical staff at Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, start by strengthening core muscles in the abdomen by doing crunches each day, along with brisk walking, swimming, or riding a stationary bicycle. These exercises are good for building muscle, strength, and flexibility, and they can help protect the spine and increase your overall mobility. When standing, Dr. Mayross suggests relieving pressure on the lower back by placing one foot forward and keeping the knees slightly bent. Sitting with knees slightly higher than the hip also helps relieve pressure. Whether standing or sitting, keep shoulders back and avoid slouching. 
Lifting can be your back's worst enemy. To protect your back while lifting, bend at the knees and keep your back straight. Then lift with your legs. Hold heavy objects close to your body and don't twist. If an object is too heavy to lift, get a buddy to help you lift it. Maintaining our overall health also helps your back. Being overweight can cause back strain and smoking cigarettes can reduce blood flow to the lower spine, causing pain and spinal degeneration. Dr. Mayrock advises, back pain doesn't always mean surgery, and most of the time it can be treated. For mild or moderate pain, rest for a couple of days and use an anti-inflammatory medicine such as ibuprofen. Apply ice or heat packs, but only for about 20 minutes at a time. If your back pain is severe, persist, or builds in intensity, make appointment with your doctor. If pain follows a fall or numbness in the legs, trouble urinating, weakness, or fever, be sure to make appointment with your doctor. With Methodist Mansfield News to Know, I'm Angel Biasati for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke is here to talk about some important cautions for renters in the Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? Renting is hard, and today it's even harder and more expensive than ever. But even more than that, searching for a rental can be full of pitfalls and scams. A few months ago, I received a phone call about a property we had listed for sale. The young lady on the phone explained that she was moving to the area from out of state and had placed a deposit on this rental, but couldn't reach the landlord. It broke my heart to tell her that the home was not listed for rent and that she was likely the victim of a scam. So not only did she lose thousands of dollars, she also didn't have a place to live. This old adage is absolute truth in the rental market today. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Here are three things to watch for if you or someone you know is in the market for a rental. Your first clue that something is wrong is if the house looks amazing online, but the rent is lower than the competition. Anyone can put a rental online, even scammers. You'll find these primarily on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, but they also will put them on other websites that look very official like Zillow or Hotpads. Those websites do not fact check or verify listings. You're going to get really excited and in a hurry to get your application in on this too good to be true deal, easily overlooking clues that this could be a scam. The second clue is if the person that you're talking with says the owner is a friend and asked him or her to assist with getting their place rented for them while they are away. But the big clue is that they are not a real estate agent. This is a common approach, and they seem sincere and legitimate. They may even have keys to show you the property, likely obtained illegally or even by breaking in and changing the locks. The third clue that you are dealing with a scammer is that they cannot show you the property at all. Maybe they are out of town or haven't received the keys yet or any number of other excuses. They may urge you to get your application and deposit in quickly to beat the competition. This one is especially prevalent for renters moving from other markets who are having to rent sight unseen, like the young lady that called me. Scammers will take homes listed for sale on public websites, reuse the pictures, post the fake rental listing, and then steal personal information and money from would-be renters. So what can you do? Number one, do a quick internet search of the address. If it comes up on all of the real estate sites as being for sale or even recently sold, then you'd better ask some additional questions. Number two, is the contact person a licensed real estate agent? You can search for license information on the Texas Real Estate Commission website. If they are a licensed agent, you can be comfortable knowing that they are offering a legitimate property for rent. 
It's okay to ask them, too. Licensed real estate agents have to abide by all the state laws and regulations and could face losing their license if they do not. A realtor has an even higher ethical standard to uphold. Not all real estate agents are realtors. Lastly, you can choose to work with a licensed real estate professional to represent you as you find a rental. You don't have to go it alone. Realtors have access to properties listed in the MLS, and if it's not listed in the MLS, they will work with their clients to ensure that everything looks like it's on the up and up. Speaking of asking questions, do not be afraid to ask a lot of questions to the contact person on that rental listing. And listen carefully for clues that just don't add up. Moving is already stressful, and falling victim to a scam is a nightmare. Go into the process with your eyes wide open, knowing what to look for, and most importantly, with your real estate professional by your side. A quick reminder that you are invited to our special event for About Mansfield listeners, Demystifying Wills, Trusts, and Probate, Monday, June 26 at 6 p.m. This is a real passion project for us. If you're a blended family, have children, own real estate, or a business, you'll want to attend. We are less than two weeks away, and if you don't know where to start, this event's for you. If you'd like more information, send me an email at info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain takes you to a sunny beach paradise in the cocktail of the week. Brian. This week's cocktail of the week is the grass skirt. A couple of weeks ago, I started this new series on cocktails that I found on TikTok, and this week's cocktail is from Cocktail Cantina. So if you're longing for the taste of the tropics, the grass skirt cocktail is the perfect choice. This vibrant and refreshing concoction combines the botanical elegance of gin with the bittersweetness of Aperol, while infusing the tropical allure of pineapple juice and the citrusy kick of triple sec. This is a harmonious blend of flavors that can transport you to a sunny beach paradise with every sip. At its core, the Grass Skirt Cocktail is a delightful marriage of gin and Aperol, creating a balanced and complex foundation for the drink. The gin provides botanical depth and complexity, while the Aperol adds a touch of bitterness and a vibrant orange hue. These two spirits work in harmony, each enhancing the other's flavors to create a well-rounded base for the cocktail. To take it to the next level, pineapple juice is introduced, bringing a tropical twist that instantly invokes images of swaying palm trees and sandy shores. The pineapple juice adds a natural sweetness and a luscious texture to the drink to further enhance its appeal. It provides a burst of fruity flavor that complements the gin and the Aperol, again, creating a refreshing and exotic taste experience. And now we're going to add a layer of citrusy brightness with a splash of triple sec. Triple sec is an orange flavor liqueur that brings a zesty kick and a touch of sweetness to the mix. It, It takes the cocktail and elevates it by infusing it with delightful citrus notes that perfectly balances out the other ingredients. To create the tropical fusion, start by filling a shaker with ice, add two ounces of gin, one half ounce of Aperol, one ounce of pineapple juice, and an ounce of triple sec to the shaker. This combination of ingredients create a harmonious symphony that will transport you to that beach paradise. Shake the mixture vigorously, allowing the ice to chill and meld the flavors together. 
Once the cocktail is well shaken, strain it into a chilled glass, such as a coupe or highball glass that's filled with fresh ice. The vibrant orange hue of the cocktail is visually enticing and sets the stage for a tropical escape that awaits you with every sip. To garnish, you have a few options. You can add a pineapple wedge or a slice of orange to accent the tropical theme. Alternatively, add a sprig of mint or a pineapple leaf that can be used to add a touch of freshness and an aromatic appeal. With your grass skirt cocktail in hand, take a moment to savor the aroma that comes from the glass. The first sip reveals the symphony of flavors that dance on your palate. The gin's botanical complexity melds with the bittersweetness of the Aperol. Then the pineapple will bring that tropical sweetness, and the triple sec with the citrusy kick brings everything together, creating this very well-balanced cocktail, which actually leaves you yearning for more. Again, this cocktail brings the best of all of these ingredients and captures the essence of a beach paradise, and it transfers you to a state of relaxation and bliss. Whether you're enjoying it on a sunny afternoon or dreaming of a vacation, this cocktail is sure to whisk you away for someplace not here. But again, don't worry about taking notes. I'll always post the ingredients and post them on bourbongospel.com. So to make the cocktail you're specifically going to use, as I said earlier, two ounces of gin, one ounce of pineapple juice, one ounce of triple sec, and a half ounce of Aperol. Place all the ingredients in a shaker tin, shake thoroughly, and then served in a chilled coupe glass with an orange twist or a slice of pineapple. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as my favorite author, Mark Twain, said, too much of anything is bad, but too much bourbon is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, this is Mansfield Chamber of Commerce CEO Lori Williams, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And last week, we started with part one of our talk with walkable city author Jeff Speck. We kind of talked a lot about generalities. This week, we're going to get into specifics. Is Mansfield a walkable city? Let's find out. Three months ago, we just had our... our City council elections. There were three seats that were up for election. Mm-hmm. And the the hot bullet point, probably the hottest bullet point, would be the uh, would be the congestion in Mansfield, the already congestion in Mansfield. And and so if we're talking walkable cities who have putting mixed use in the other hot spot, the the hot topic is apartments. Yeah, and. Okay, let's go back to how do you change the mindset of people out there going, well, the city is, A, congested enough, and B, we don't need apartments. Well, the um, I, I went, I mean, we have a housing crisis throughout the country. Mm-hmm. I believe every city has a responsibility to try and help solve that, and I think your leaders believe that as well. But if you just bring in apartments that are a pod like any other pod where there's the requirement that they leave that pod in order to get anything accomplished at all, then it will contribute to your congestion. And uh, the real answer is to only build complete neighborhoods. Yeah. And, you know, this, the city is pursuing that objective. Again, clearly people are going to have to leave their domiciles to get to work probably, or at least to get to certain things at certain times. But, you know, the typical suburban 
American house generates 13 car trips per day. Mm. That's one-way trips. I guess someone's not making it home at night, but it's 13 <laughs> averages. It averages 13 car trips per day because the daycare, the school, the shopping, everything is reached by car. And where I'm staying, which is by the freeway in the uh, Spring Hill Suites, I think sure. it's called, um, I, I've been walking to my meals, but I'm the only one. When the whole environment is so punitive for walking, uh, of course, every new apartment's going to be a bunch more trips a day, right? Right. Won't be thirteen because it's smaller than a house, but it'll be it'll be more. The 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 city by building new apartments within and and frankly single family homes and everything in between this missing middle housing we talk about in mixed use walkable com- communities, then overall people's trips can drop because the the typical citizen won't have the obligation to drive absolutely everywhere. Two questions, really, is is that, all right, you, you've got a walkable city, and, and now let's talk about the con- congestion. This is where public transportation comes into play. The city has become so congested, I'm going to take the bus to work. Or the other part of that question is, how do we get businesses around to to stagger the work hours so that not yeah. not everyone is traveling to work at eight in the morning. They're not going home at five o'clock. Some are working seven to four. Some are working nine to six. Is this congestion just within Mansfield or is it really people who are commuting throughout the whole area? Is there issue the local congestion oh, I, or is it more the overall congestion? I, <laughs> It's, it really is the – well, people have been talking locally about Mansfield, but when you right. talk about the DFW Metroplex, and yeah. we are recording this this interview at 4 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, <clears throat> as I'm scanning very, very quickly for a map, I'll bring up the traffic for Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, I know it's bad throughout the – Throughout the region. Yeah. Four o'clock on, yeah, on Dallas Fort Worth is yeah, yeah. the freeways are mostly red. Yeah. Well, I and, the the sad message I have for your listeners is that's that's an equilibrium condition. <laughs> you know, the the amount of traffic you have at any given point, well, I should say at any at any rush hour is the exact amount that people are willing to put up with before they make the choice to take transit or do something else. Mm-hmm. Now, in Texas, you do have DART, right? right. In, in Dallas, you have DART. Uh, I don't think there's any real transit serving you down here in particular, right? There's some buses that, that do a little bit. Not even buses. Uh, Mansfield has no <clears throat> public transportation. Arlington has a van service. Right. I forget the name. Yeah. Of, um, but... Yeah, and Dallas between Dallas and Fort Worth, there is the train, yeah. uh, which is Dart related, and and a lot of people take the train. They'll they'll drive up to the halfway point, up to a, a Trinity, and, to a park and ride, and circumstance, and yeah. take it to a basketball game or a concert. Yeah. Uh, American Airlines Center, which is the big arena in Dallas, that's the train stops right there. Yeah, gosh, if if. If a train could make its way down to Mansfield. The problem then, is that in so much of your region, and here in particular, you don't have the sort of um, density right. to support transit. You also don't have the what we call a nodal structure to support transit, which is particularly train transit. You know, It doesn't stop all that often. And where it stops, you want to have a high density uh, for it to work. Um, you do have some you know, major thoroughfares. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, state and federal highways that have the extra lanes on them that could be dedicated to transit. But I don't think, you know, I don't think here in Mansfield we're going to solve your 
regional traffic picture. What I do think I can tell your listeners is that, first of all, the only way to grow and not make transit wor- traffic worse, sorry, the only way to grow and not make traffic worse is to grow in mixed-use walkable neighborhoods, right? Where, right? where people aren't dependent on the car for everything. And then secondarily, yes, most of your city will remain a driving city, but where's there the opportunity to enjoy that, um, you know, more traditional relationship between streets, buildings, squares, walking, biking? And I would tell you that your only opportunity currently is a couple blocks of your city, which is Main Street and Broad. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other opportunities you're hoping, the city's hoping to build. But right now, the prime opportunity is your historic center. And uh, that's where you look at the street and say, um, should it be burdened with handling so much traffic when it has the opportunity to be so much more than a conduit? Now, I discovered very good news when I got the traffic counts on that street from your city administration, Mm -hmm. which is that Main Street, which has four to six lanes, depending on where you look, is carrying uh, three lanes worth of traffic. It's carrying 16,000 cars per day. Broad Street, which has five lanes, roughly, if you count how intersections are handled, is carrying like 12,000 cars a day. Now, 10,000 cars per day is a two-lane street. So it's clear that the uh, because it was DOT, it was a DOT facility, it was oversized. And it's done everything it can to invite as much traffic onto it as possible over the last, you know, 50 years. But in fact, uh, th- that main main, where main meets broad, could be dieted and still handle the traffic it currently has hmm. quite comfortably. And there's an opportunity then to make a more lively uh, center city. So you've been in town for a couple of days. You've seen our downtown. You you've mentioned Maine and Broad, so you're you're probably familiar with it. Describe to our listeners uh, your vision of a walkable city as it refers to Mansfield. Well, I'll be I'll be so my vision of a walkable city as it refers to Mansfield is a to make those plans for new developments that are coming as good as they can be. Uh, and they're pretty good, mm-hmm. as good as they can be. Honestly, as 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 urban as they can be to create the environment. And by urban, I don't mean like city. I mean, I mean mixed use walkable as yeah. they can be, so that the people who are who are there can actually enjoy that lifestyle that we've seen uh, be very successful in new developments in Plano, in uh, Addison Circle, for example, mm-hmm. up in that area. Um, there's probably a good half dozen of these new town in town. I should say Newtown out of town, uh, suburban mixed use walkable centers in the Dallas region. Uh, and there's no reason why you, you can't have one of those and it would contribute markedly to the quality of life here. But secondarily, I'm very intent and I'll be proposing to your leaders this week, um, that's tomorrow, uh, a just essentially a re- rebuilding, very small rebuilding scheme for the main and broad area that, that, meets the traffic where it's at without over-providing lanes uh, that allows a ton more parking so that it can welcome a ton more development. Because what your downtown needs is two things. It needs calmer traffic and it needs more people in it. So slowing down the traffic on Main Street because I, and that's... No, I hate to say slowing down, getting people to stop speeding. Let's just say yeah, getting okay, people okay. to stop speeding on Main Street. Um, 
and, and understanding that there's a lot of streets in Plano, but just at Main and Broad is a place where, sorry, not in, uh, in Mansfield, but mm-hmm. at Main and Broad where, uh, I'm not working in Plano, by the way, uh, <laughs> my friend David Shores did a lot of work there, getting that traffic to slow down to the speed limit and be a little bit calmer uh, to provide a ton more parking there to, and then I would advise the city to actually hand that parking out to developers. So, you know, one of the biggest costs of putting new housing anywhere is parking. And typically, if you want to have urban walkable housing and it's apartments, the parking is structured, which is very expensive. Right. So if we could find a couple hundred, and I have a couple hundred new parking spaces just in those few blocks that could then be given to developers to use uh, in order to support new housing that would then bring the bodies into the downtown that would make it not dead. Right? Right. Um, right. That would be the start of having a heart in your community. And getting people out of their cars, <clears throat> even onto bikes, because... You have a nice trail system that runs just adjacent to the Oh, the street. linear trails are, are yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but um, biking from, from home to work. Mm-hmm. You, so you've got the major uh, businesses here, the uh, Mauser, Klein Tools, and, and Cellmark, are the, yeah. uh, three major industries here in town. There are also some others that, are, and you've got the, the Amazon Center is, is is downtown as well. All easily bikeable. Yeah. Well, I haven't looked at those destinations. You have an advantage, which is you have a few workplaces that are very large, right? As opposed to being dispersed all over the place. Um, that presuming that people were willing or able to live in expensive Mansfield mm-hmm. and work in those uh, businesses, which I know many are, but probably the most, most aren't, um, then there would make some sense to enhance your bike system. Yeah. I do have a friend that is, uh, he, he's, he's a big biker and he bikes, I think he's bikes three miles to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed him just the other day. He, he biked from uh, another mile and a half from, from work to here to the studio he biked back to work, finished his day. He bikes another three miles back home. And but he's pretty hardcore. I'm guessing he's not your uh, your fearful biker. Yeah, and there these are no, streets don't seem to welcome. There so. are no, with the exception of um, uh, Pleasant Ridge, there are no bike lanes. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't bike in your typical Mansfield Street. Yeah, well, period. Because us Texans, without a we, designated, we love our cars. Lane. Well, no, it's just it's just the typical speed is more highway speed than. Local streets, right? Can you give uh, the the listeners an example of of what mixed use looks like? It's interesting. Post COVID, people are strangely still building office buildings, right? Why is that? There's this. <laughs> it's called the race to quality. There's these large corporations that are still looking for flagship headquarters, and they want to be in new buildings. And I'm surprised in certain markets, like really go go markets, like Salt Lake, for example, where I'm working. There's an interest in new office buildings. But typical mixed use these days is going to be a lot of housing, um, enough housing to support local retail. And so if you get 1,000 units within a walkable downtown, for example, that will support a, a, a nice corner grocery. Yeah, And, and uh, uh, there will likely be workplaces there already. A lot of people, of course, are working from home and don't need that second place to go do work. But these days, it has to do with having enough housing within a pleasant walking distance of shops that then cause those shops to succeed. 
again, going back to that, that vision of Paris, sure. where you, you may walk four or five blocks to the, to the metro, the subway, and in that four or five block walk, you're passing the butcher, you're passing the local produce guy, the, you're passing all of your, your daily needs. You aren't going to Costco and buying a right. month's worth of food. All but you're one. also passing seven stories consistently everywhere you go, seven stories in mm-hmm. Paris, roughly, right? Mm-hmm. Apartments of all different size and shape, some of the most beautiful homes in the world right. in those buildings and some garrets in the roofs, which is how it was originally built. Uh, in fact, every, you know, every building was a, was a mixed income development. Sure. Because sure. you had the Piano Nobile, the great you know, second and third stories of, of, of great apartments. And then you had workers living upstairs, but it's important to understand, for example, when you look at height limits, that if you want a walkable environment, that's really going to have decent retail, that you can't be stingy on that. Yeah. Now there happens to be a natural cutoff at about six stories because developers these days across the U S they'll, they'll, they can stay in the cheapest construction by having a ground floor of concrete block and then maybe five floors on top of well, that a sounds stick. like the, the brownstones in in Manhattan. Sure, um, they're they're not high rises, but they are four, five, six stories. Yeah. And then you've got uh, the the local pizza place or the grocer or, or down on the bottom floor. You know, it's a trade off, and I think most people in a suburban city would say, "Well, who wants that? You know, who <laughs> who wants?" Big shadow casting. In fact, in in Texas, shadows are a good thing. But who wants big shadow casting, hulking buildings when I'm used to a more, you know, single family lifestyle? Uh, The answer is about half of us. Yeah. And that half is deeply underserved by the current market. But then there's also just this relationship between density and amenity. So when you say what's mixed use, well, I just mentioned two of the biggest uses, but of course, recreation and, uh, you know, gyms and pools and, and, and uh, daycare and schools, all these other things also contribute to having, you know, a fully mixed use community. And what, you know, I work for a lot of cities, I work for a lot of developers, the developers, have very clear spreadsheets. The number of units they get determines the the number and type of amenities that they're able to put into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Half of Americans, roughly, 40 to 60%, depending on who you ask when, want to have that sort of urban lifestyle. And uh, in order to provide it, you need more bodies than you're going to get in a three or four story development. Jeff Speck, I know that you your your time is tight. I know you have to be. Well, I'm doing the city right now. Yeah, <laughs> a few minutes. And, right. So, in about the we've got about a minute left uh, uh, in this this interview. And your again, your book is called Walkable City. And so, if if any of the listeners wanted to uh, really get some more information and and a better feel for who you are, how can they get a hold of the book? Uh, well, the book is everywhere that you would buy books. In other words, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say, it. wherever you buy books, you can get the book. It just came out in a new 10th anniversary edition. It's for everybody. It was written for people who aren't professional planners, yeah. which is why it's done so well. Um, you can also go to my website, which is jeffspeck.com, and it's J-E-F-F-S-P-E-C-K.com, where you'll see access to, I have a couple of TED Talks that have uh, a lot of views, and they're only 15 minutes long, so that's an easy first first taste of this, but a lot of people tell me that the book is the gateway drug. Walkable City is the gateway drug (laughs) to becoming an urbanist. 
Again, welcome to Mansfield, and we uh, we look forward to what the future has for downtown. So do I. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio with yet another outstanding citizen from our community. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. And in fact, hey, how about going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Mansfield.